1: sharing ideas about money this is share radio This is Simon Rose. You're listening to the Financial Outlook for private investors. I'm joined by Russ Mould, Investment Director of A.J. Bell. We're gonna look at the world of investment from a UK uh, perspective. So, Russ, um, I mean, where do we begin? I mean, the world is in a very uncertain stage.
0: Yeah, and it's, I mean, the, the Bank of England uh, Monetary Policy Committee statement actually summed that up really pretty well, if you read the statement from from, from midday today. Um, I guess what caught people's eye was, yes, they did raise interest rates by a quarter percent to 0.75 percent. But it was a, it was an 8-1 vote. There was one dissenter. Sir John Cunliffe actually uh, made the case for leaving interest rates unchanged at 0.5 percent, which given that inflation's five and a half and likely to run higher, I think will have been a surprise to a lot of people. Equally, Sir John pointed out, on the other hand, you've got Commodity prices rampant, squeezing household incomes, knocking consumer confidence. Uh, and that could itself lead to a degree of economic slowdown. So he was clearly concerned about doing too much too fast. But but the, the pound lost ground after that statement came out, lost about you know half a cent against the dollar and half a cent against the euro quite quickly. So I think markets were probably looking for a slightly more robust statement. Yeah. But I should also point out that the bank's balance sheet has shrunk very slightly from 800 or the QE scheme has shrunk from yes. 895 billion to a mere 867 billion pounds because there's a, a guilt that they owned matured in March 2022 and they didn't buy anything else to replace it. So you could argue that's a little bit of quantitative tightening mm. there one say in shrinking of the balance sheet. So I think there was something in there um, for people who think the Bank of England's on the right track, something a lot of in there for people who think that they've just left it far too late, which I think the Federal Reserve admitted it had done when, when Chair Jay Powell was speaking yesterday. Uh, and overall markets are still pricing in an interest rate of around 2%, so potentially another five rate rises by the end of this year. So the debate goes on really, as you said, do, will we get inflation, stagflation? slash a recession coming out of all the cross-currents mm. that we're seeing right now, nobody knows. And, and the Bank of England can't agree either, which I think probably tells you all you need to know, really. It's yeah. really hard out there. It,
1: I mean, clearly there have been you know many times since the financial crisis where people felt that it would be a time for normalising interest rates and beginning to put them back up when there was still the possibility of doing so. But can raising interest rates really do much if we are heading into a an era when we get both inflation and economies stagnating, so-called it, it, stagflation. It's not necessarily the, the the sharpest of tools, is
0: it? No, well, and also it's going to take, you know, according to all the textbooks, 18 to 24 months to filter through anyway. So I think one area where you could be critical of the bank is there was a lot of talk in the second half of last year where they were saying, well, we might raise interest rates, but we need to have another look at another yeah. couple of sets of inflation data figures. But inflation, uh, unemployment numbers. What? Yes. I mean, they're backward looking for starters. And I thought policy was on the basis of a framework in terms of what's going to happen in two years' time, not what's happening in the jobs market right mm-hmm. now or previously. So I thought that, frankly, was unimpressive. And I think probably does leave the bank open a degree of criticism. Um, because in the end, what, what they're trying to, I admit, do an extremely difficult job of second guess where inflation might be in around two years' time. But they're supposed to have a framework for helping them make those decisions, not be sort of busking it on the basis of one or two data sets. From the Office for National Statistics, so I think that was slightly disconcerting. And the Fed—don't don't get me wrong—the Federal Reserve threw itself headlong into the same trap. So, it's, it, and I can understand why. You know, the, the Fed has a dual mandate of employment and inflation. The Bank of England only got the one, which is inflation, but it began to focus on uh, uh, employment as well. And if inflation goes bananas, jobs will suffer anyway. So again, it's it's a difficult balancing act. I cannot remember where I read it, who wrote it. So, I, I, whoever it is, I owe them a profound apology. But I did read a blog this week that described the Federal Reserve as being like a porcupine in a balloon factory, whichever way it's going to turn, something's going to go (laughs) pop, which I thought was an intriguing analogy, to say the least. Either you let inflation run too hot and that does damage, or you jack interest rates up too fast, and potentially that does damage and slows things down. And that is, I think, from the argument that is, they've left rates too low for too long. That. there's always been an excuse yeah. greek crisis yeah. da, da, da. there's always been a re- it's like my kids there's always a reason for them not to do their homework at yes. some stage you have to do it because ultimately the pain associated with not acting will be far greater than the and, pain And associated as with, with homework doing. the
1: later you leave it the the less thought has been given to there it you, perhaps there you are
0: um though
1: you have to say it's a wonderful quote porcupine the balloon factory but of course if you're being pedantic as i tend to be you would say that balloons aren't actually inflated, and not actually inflated the in the factory no yeah, so are no we need we ahead. might need to think of, of revising that um before we look at what investors perhaps ought to do in this uncertain climate i mean do you think the bank of england's mandate is out of date
0: not just inflation mm. well the fed's got a dual mandate. i think the one i think what you've got to be careful of is, is you've got nine mortals doing their best to set the price of money, which is, let's face it, a pretty big task. I think you don't want to give them too much to think about. I mean, the Fed and the bank, the Fed's got jobs. It's also started, they've also openly and publicly tried to support financial asset valuations. And they've even started, you know, sticking their oar in on the ESG and green mandate. There's only yes, so much yes, that yes. nine people can do. And ultimately, you know, if a centrally planned command economy was run by nine people was a good thing, then the former Soviet Union and Vietnam and Cuba and Venezuela yes. have been a lot better state than they are right now. Yes. So I think we'll, we'll leave the question of,
1: there. yes, we'll leave the question of whether Mayor Motel should be allowed to decide the price of money, I think, for another time, or indeed for us getting together off the air. Um, Russ, let's take a brief, brief breather. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. is simon rose you're listening to the financial outlook for private investors on share radio talking to russ mold of aj bell i mean russ just very um, briefly and because we have discussed it before but what should private investors really be thinking now given that you know the bank of England itself is having trouble deciding it how do you know private investors who well, don't necessarily spend their life immersed in economics textbooks and, and how on earth do they that, make that's sense definitely of what's going good, on
0: that's definitely a good thing i don't think there'll be any use at all from an investing perspective i think i'll be putting them in the guinea pig's cage and leaving them there right um i i think that it's it is i think clearly there's a temptation to fiddle with portfolios right now because you're seeing wild volatility in share prices commodity prices currencies but ultimately i, I still can't help but think that Avoiding that temptation is a good thing to do. You know, you could, in all good faith, think, okay, this is all going to go horribly wrong. I'm going to bin a load of my risky positions. Mm -hmm. And unlikely as it seems, a ceasefire is called, and everything would suddenly rally very, very strongly. I'm almost certain. So again, trying to second guess those events would be very is 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 very very difficult. So you need a balanced portfolio, diversified across multiple outcomes: inflation, deflation, stagflation, upturn, downturn just to give you some downside protection and some hope for upside potential. What I would be busy doing right now is stress is looking at my portfolio. If I was an investor and I'd be stress testing it where, you know, where, what scenarios can I envisage, which does well, and which does badly under which scenario, which scenario do I think is most likely because, you know, if you've got a stack of airline stocks in there and you're frightened of a long conflict with Prolonged increases in oil prices and knock to consumer confidence—you probably don't want to boat boatload of airlines in your portfolio. Equally, you may just think that they've completely sold off too hard, and that if there is a resolution, the risk reward is, is skewed in your favor. What I would personally be very wary of is heavily indebted companies. or oh, I'll need to calibrate that in a second. But um, you know, if you've got a lot of debt and your interest bills are going up, that is a difficult situation. Now, you don't just need—you can't just look at the net debt figure. You're going to have to look at leases. You're going to have to look at the pension deficit as well, but you're also going to have to look at things like, is it a stable, defensive or cyclical business, mm-hmm. You know, if you're a utility, you can frankly probably hold as much debt as you can manage without losing too yes. much sleep about your profits disappearing. If you're Sydney world and they do have a lot of debt, ladies and gentlemen, and they got a lawsuit hanging over them for a billion plus dollars. I mean, the statement more or less says today, if we lose that lawsuit, we're in a lot of trouble. Yes. And yes, there's a very strong state, there's a very strong slate of films coming with Batman and Mission Impossible 7 and yada, 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 but that is a very, that is a potentially quite cyclical business with a lot of fixed costs. So I think, and and Carnival Cruise, you know, one interesting thing about that is the share price is down two thirds over the last two years, the enterprise value, i.e. market cap plus net debt has gone up because the company's taking on so many leases, and so much, so, so much debt to see itself through the crisis it's, it's in a financially quite tricky situation. Now I'm not saying it's going bust, please book your holidays. We kind of a cruise if you're happy to, but they are probably going to, at some stage need to shore that balance sheet up. And if there is any unexpected economic downturn or heaven forbid the virus thing mm. comes back and people don't want to get on those boats, then that is a company that is, is in a financially quite tricky situation. And those are the sort of things you've got to be aware of. So yes, there's huge potential upside, but the downside is, is equally enormous. So you've then got to make sure that you're happy with that. Not quite binary situation, yeah. but one that is either, you know, very, very high gain or very, very severe losses and potentially a very highly dilutive rights issue or whatever. And if that's not the sort of thing you're comfortable with, then those are the sort of things that you probably shouldn't be with and you should be, you know, potentially drawing a line through and saying, actually, that is the sort of thing that will cost me sleep at night. Yes. And that's not what investing is about. Investing is about sleeping soundly at night. So if there are things that are making you uncomfortable at night, they're the things to really focus on and reassess right now. And that's where the one thing you can be doing.
1: Ross, thank you very much as ever. i be in conversation with Ross Mould, Investment Director of AJ Bell, looking at the financial outlook for private investors. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.